Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Captain, beam me up. Energize. Welcome to the Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we usually rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am Andrea. And I am Oshin. And this week, we are having a special episode. Uh, we're not talking about Star Trek or anything sci fi, for that matter. We are watching Green Book. Because, as we explained at the end of the last episode, for those of you who didn't stay, we are taking a break from Star Trek before season two, and we're going to post two specials, this and another one, in two weeks' time. And we're going to just watch normal movies that we like, so the other person can enjoy... Normal movies that at least one of us already likes. We don't know how you're going to Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So this one is mine. I chose this one. Because I want him to watch it, and I want to know what he thinks, because I like this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the premise of our specials. So, also, yes. what are your thoughts and opinions, and what do you know about this movie before we watched it? This is before we, well, I rewatched it, and he watched it. So, what I know about this movie, or what I think I know about this movie, Mahershala. Ali plays a musician. I think it's set in the 50s or 60s. And Viggo Mortensen plays his New Yorker driver. And Mahershala Ali is, how to put this, uh, a uptight musician, perhaps. I don't want to say, I don't want to say snobby. The impression I have is that Viggo Mortensen is the relaxed driver who maybe teaches Mahershala Ali's character a thing or two about loosening up or letting loose. I have to be honest, my expectations of this movie are not very high. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Can we know why? Yeah, we, you absolutely. Because I, I want to be honest, I want to put my cards on the table because I think it's important. There was discourse around this film at the time it came out. Obviously, one... Oscar for did it win? Be- I think it won Best Picture, and it's obviously directed by Peter Farley, one of the Farley brothers, who I don't know if you're familiar with, but they directed movies like There's Something About Mary. They've directed a lot of gross out comedies, Me Myself and Irene. Okay. So this was a big turn from Peter Farley, who directed this, and the discourse around this film was very much that this was another case of a. A white person telling a story about a black person. I don't. We can have this discussion when I've seen the movie because I don't want to. I think it's important that we that I just express where I'm coming from, and then we can have this discussion. Then when I'm more informed, when I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my impression of the movie. So I have low expectations going into this. I will do my utmost to go in with an open mind because I like I like the two performers involved. Obviously, Viggo Mortensen, Aragorn, Strider, Legend. <laughs> Mahershala Ali, also a legend. So yeah, I'm going to go in with an open mind. This is one that has been kind of... I wanted to be able to have this discussion, which is good. But at the same time, I'm also... I have avoided it in a way, and I didn't want to have that discussion. So this is good. I'm glad it came up. It wasn't the movie I was hoping would come up. I know. I know the one that you want. I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm curious. And yeah, don't think there's anything else I need to, to say about this. Okay, so we are still on the call, but he's not listening. So, hello, Oso. I'm going to read the synopsis now, and I don't want him to know, because I think there are spoilers here. So, Dr. Don Shirley is a world-class African-American pianist who is about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South in 1962. In need of a driver and protection, Shirley recruits Tony Lip, a tough-talking bouncer from an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx. Despite their differences, the two men soon develop an unexpected bond while confronting 
racism and danger in an area of segregation. Okay, we're back. I am looking forward to watching it. Now that I, now that I know that I have to, uh, I, <laughs> I am excited about watching it. I'm hoping there'll be good music, but I really hope he's not a jazz musician, but I think he is, and I really don't like jazz. So that's probably the thing I'm least looking forward to about this movie. Is there anything else we want? We need to talk about before... I don't have anything else to say. We're going to watch it. Okay. And we'll come back. So there may be differences in sound. Catch you later. I'm not just hiring a chauffeur. I need someone who can handle trouble. What experience do you have? Public relations. Tell me that don't smell bad. I've never had fried chicken in my life. People love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. No, you're not good. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. He's the main event. Either I eat in this room or I'm not performing tonight. Come on, get out now. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. I didn't like the way he was treating you. I've had to endure that my entire life. You should be able to take it for at least one night. What you do, only you can do that. You want another piece? What do we do about the bone? Let's do this. <laughs> Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up. Green Book, rated PG-13. We're back from watching Green Book. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? So, we know what I was expecting and mm. what my preconceptions were. So now I feel... I'd like to know why you like it so much and what your what your opinion of the film is. I mean, before... it's not like I like it so much. It's not a movie that I watch okay. every weekend. It's not like a movie like Hairspray, maybe, that it's fun and I like it and there's music and it's enjoyable. It's not that kind of movie. I like this movie. But you gave this, you gave this four stars? Yes, I think. I think four stars is okay. It's an eight out of ten. I stand by my four stars. <laughs> okay, and what do you like about it? Well, I like movies that talk about systemic problems. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I feel like this one deals with something in a different way that usually movies, uh, it's like, oh, racism is bad and this person was affected by it. But in this case, it's like, racism is bad this person is very talented, has a lot of power, and how that influences the racism that he suffers or not. Like, what that social status does to change his perception of racism or race, even. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good way to tell another story of a black man rather than being the, the same story being told all the time. And also, I'm not personally very savvy uh, about the discrimination that Italians suffered in America or Irish people or, like, white minorities uh, suffered in America. Like, there are not that many movies that I know of about the discrimination that they face other than maybe Italians have mafia and... <laughs> And they're considered uh, mafiosos. So it was also interesting to see a white person like Viggo Mortensen being told to speak a certain way, act a certain way, pretend that he's something he's not, so he's more accepted. And I think that's also important because obviously he's white and he's not going to suffer the same systemic uh, racism and violence that Dr. Shirley does or any other black person for that matter. But he also does, in his own way, suffer racism because of where his family grew up and the language that he speaks. So I like this movie because it gives a new perspective on the racism that was lived and continues to be lived by people in the States and in the world, but more particularly the States. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I agree with you. On some of the points, I think these movies about racism and discrimination, I think they're important. And when done well, I think some of them are very 
not entertaining, but they're very good films. And as I said before watching this film, so my impression of this was that this was going to be a black story told by a white man, because obviously Peter Farley is director. It, it's written by three like male act- writers, as far as I know. I, I just That is true, but when the credits rolled up, Octavia Spencer is the executive producer. And I'm not saying that white people can't tell stories about black people. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's really important that writers of all ethnicity and background tell multicultural stories when required or when applicable. But when it's a story about race or discrimination of black people, I think perhaps white people are probably not the best people to speak about that. And I was wrong. I don't think this is a black man story told by white people. I think this is a white man story told by white people. Mm-hmm. And I still have issues with that. I think it is an interesting film about race and discrimination faced by Dr. Shirley. However, he's very much a passenger in his own story, pun intended, because it's about driving him around. Um, but I feel like a lot of this story is told from the character of Tony's perspective, who is a white man. And we see a lot of Dr. Shirley struggles through his eyes. He's usually the one solving Dr. Shirley's problems and getting him out of trouble. White savior is a trope in cinema. I feel this movie is guilty of it a lot. I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's fine. And I think the acting is really good. Mahershala Ali won an Oscar for this film. I think it was deserved. But I think it's important to note that it was an Oscar for supporting actor rather than lead because this is very much Tony's film, Tony's story. And yeah, that didn't sit well with me. Okay, fair enough. I agree. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say Shirley's the protagonist. I wouldn't say that. No, he's not. <laughs> no. He's not. And I think he should be. Because... But then, so if he was... It would have been a black story or a a story about a black man told by a white man. So what would you prefer? Well, I would prefer that if you're going to tell a story about Dr. Shirley, and I think it's a story worth telling, uh, I think perhaps the people behind this film were not the people to tell that story. I respect that they didn't tell Shirley's story and they did focus on Tony. Perhaps it would be better if we had got a Dr. Shirley story from black voices. Yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I'm not denying that. That would be the ideal. But we got we have this film. This is the film that we have. So I, I would like to talk about that film. Yeah. Rather than some other film that we didn't get. Because I think, yeah, I think there are things to talk about. There are, I do like certain aspects of the film. I do like and enjoy certain moments between Tony and Shirley I think it's a really fun contrast like that odd couple always kind of works in movies but I think yeah I think there are moments here where it leans a bit too much into the comedy of it and especially at moments where I don't think I don't think they're comedic for example for example okay here's 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 one of the big we have to talk about the fried chicken yeah. Because I'm curious what you think of... So there's two scenes involving fried chicken. Yeah. So the first scene, we have Tony pulls over to get KFC <laughs> in Kentucky. He's very excited about getting Kentucky fried chicken. Listen, I would Kentucky. be too. <laughs> yeah, I I get that. I get that. You get Kentucky fried chicken in Kentucky. That's exciting. Yeah. And Dr. Shirley, who is a classical pianist, he's quite uptight, you yeah. could say. Certainly, he's a bit of a snob, let's be honest. He's a bit of a snob. Mm -hmm. He's never had Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or fried chicken. He's never had fried chicken. He's never had fried chicken. And there's this scene that plays out where Tony, in my view, essentially bullies (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Shirley into tasting fried chicken. And I have, I don't mind that Dr. Shirley 
tastes the fried chicken. I don't mind that he likes the fried chicken, but it's the fact that Tony bullies him into eating fried chicken because he's black and he should like fried chicken. Right. So, yeah, he's bullied into trying the chicken. But, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it, but because I found it funny, not because I'm married to the film, and I don't think that it has mistakes. But I think that that is... Okay, first of all, Tony still is the beginning of their journey, and he's very much still racist and has... I think it's about midway through, no? I think it's more at the beginning. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He still holds those preconceived notions of black people. So, obviously, the bullying comes from a place of ignorance and racism, but I think the scene is funny, because I think that's how people would act. Like, I have been bullied to try things that I, I, I knew I wouldn't like. But it's like, okay, try it, try it, try one, try it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop driving with two hands. It wasn't never like this, but like, I've been bullied to try food like that by friends. So I think there is a comedic aspect, even though it does come from a character that is ignorant and racist and thinks stereotypes are real. Like the only thing that could have made the scene worse or not the only thing, many things could have made the scene worse. But like, if he also brought up watermelon, because I think that's also like a stereotypical thing that they think that black people eat. Which in that case, call me black because I love fucking watermelon. It's the <laughs> best fruit. So like that is, doesn't make sense to me. But again, I'm not black. So I don't know the stereotypical things that could apply to that. But in my opinion, that scene works. However, the second one with the fried chicken doesn't work in the house yes so the second one they are in a house in of a client so like a, a big rich man white man and all the guests are sat down in a big table and the the host is like we ask the help first of all disgusting disgusting we ask the help what what would dr shirley like for dinner and apparently the help said fried chicken and corn. And they uncover the food and it's fried chicken and corn. And they share a look, Dr. Shirley and Tony. But I think in this case, Dr. Shirley's like racism. <laughs> With Tony it was racism, but because he, he knew that the chicken was good. So I think it was more of like, come on, you're not going to starve in the car and you're black, you should like this. Right, it's racism. But it's like, come on, eat. But in this case, it's like, this is not... <laughs> the help told you to do this? Yeah, it's it, it, it's a really upsetting scene. But, my, I don't, and I don't know if maybe it's my reading, but my the look that they share, like, Tony smiles and is like... See, I told see you. See, fried chicken. Right. And it's like, what are you doing? This is... And there's no follow-up on it. There's no challenging of it. It's just accepted that, oh, it, it worked out that he actually does like fried chicken. So it's perfectly fine that these rich people have asked their help. And the fact that they call them help is horrible. And it's just, it really didn't sit well with me. Because then the next scene is played as this, and it is, it's this really serious, there's a complete tonal shift to this really serious moment where Dr. Shirley is refused use of the in-house bathroom and yeah. told to use the outhouse or go back to his motel. And in my mind, they're the exact same type of discrimination, is that regardless of why he's there to play their music and his standing in society as this classical pianist these people still see him as a black man and lower being and one moment despite the moments being the same to me one moment is played for laughs and one moment is played seriously and it, yeah i mean and i i agree with you that those scenes about bullying people into tasting food that can be funny and i think there may have been a way of doing that scene if you wanted to do that kind of comedic moment where it pays off do that scene but have it like I don't I don't I don't know how but don't have it be a scene based on racist stereotypes <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah so in my perception 
the dinner scene, I think Tony was definitely looking at him like, see, I told you, chicken. <laughs> but he's racist. And obviously, a racist person in a racist situation would be like, see, I told you. So I don't think he's justified. Like, you, the moment the food is uncovered, we're like, what the fuck? But the movie, like, we are, but the movie's not. And that's what bothers me about it, is that the movie doesn't but, fail. Because they're the racists. That, like, that's, I think, is also part of the movie that racist people don't realize that they're racist, right? So this white man, this host, is like, what would he like? And I think that's a good question to ask when you're having guests over that you don't know. What do you like? And he goes to the people that he thinks are going to give him a good answer because they're the same race. Doesn't make it right, <laughs> but yeah. he's trying to do something good for the host. And he fucks up because he's a racist piece of shit and does chicken and corn. I don't think he would realize that that is racist because he's done all the right steps, quote-unquote. Like, he's wondered what he wanted, he's asked for help, and the help, literally, which is a term that I hate, uh, have done that for him. So I don't think he feels bad in the food choices. So I don't think that he's realizing that he's racist. So I think it's also a tone difference of, like, this is lighthearted and it's food and haha, and then a 180 and he's not allowed to use the same bathroom as everybody else just because he's black even though he's the most powerful and rich person there probably because of his line of work but i think as you said the both of them are equally as bad are equally as racist it's just that one of them is i don't want to say a microaggression because the food is not micro but you know how there's you may be okay with some things and not with others or like the bathroom is outwardly racist like this is not for you you cannot do that and the other one is playing of a stereotype so it may be seen as oh it's less offensive and for the people i think because you said it's a white man telling a white man's story for the white people i think there is a difference whereas for the black person there isn't So for him, both experiences, for him being Shirley, Dr. Shirley, both experiences are equally racist. One of them is assuming he's going to like fried chicken, which he does, but it's coincidence. He could have been a vegetarian. You don't know. Or anything. Or he wouldn't, you know, like, he doesn't have to like chicken. So yeah, for Shirley, the two of them are racist experiences that he's gone through. But for, for white people, it may not be seen as that. So, like, yes, the tonal change is it's <laughs> weird. <laughs> like, why are we making fun of this? But I think at the end of the day, it's a matter of who's telling the story or whose perspective are we getting. And we're not getting Dr. Shirley's. I think if we were getting Dr. Shirley's, then the weight of the situation would have been different. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And there's a moment afterward where we see Shirley playing that night. Oh, yeah. And we can see how angry he is and how upset he is. And it was it was really powerful. But again, then the movie just cuts to Tony afterwards. And I think that's the night where Shirley goes to the YMCA and is caught. Yeah, I think so. And... I just wish we'd seen... I just... Yeah, I wish... I, as I said, I wish this movie had been Shirley's movie and we got more from his perspective because there are so many moments where he's being the victim of racism or discrimination and oppression. And rather than sticking with him and seeing him through that situation or even involving him in the discussion around that, we stick with Tony and Shirley's always in the background of these scenes. And Tony's getting him out of them. And that just... Uh, there's, there's one moment. There's one scene. There's one moment where they... Shirley does get them out of jail by calling... Yeah. Um, Robert F... Ro I don't know if he's F... Robert Kennedy. One of the Kennedys. At the time. Robert. Well, he doesn't call... I don't think he calls Robert. I think he calls his lawyer and his lawyer calls Robert. Oh, I got, I got the impression that he calls Robert F. Kennedy. Because Robert F. Kennedy, I think they said, was the attorney general at the time. 
Oh, and okay. And he called the governor. That was my understanding oh, of it. Then I misunderstood. Robert F. Kennedy got involved. Yeah. And even that scene loses some of its triumph because Dr. Shirley is really ashamed that he had to do that and that he had to let other people know that he was in a backwater jail because everyone would know why he's in a black... Well, not, not, not... But everyone would know, oh, he's black and he's in the deep south. Um, so even that moment loses some of its triumph. But yeah, I just, w- I, yeah, I just wish Shirley had been more involved in those moments because it's just such a shame. And I know it was, that's how it was at the time, unfortunately, that black people didn't have a lot of say in how they were treated and how they were oppressed. But there's a way of telling that story where you can involve him. Because this, this is inspired by a true story. It doesn't have to be accurate. Yeah. And I think they make a really good point of why Shirley is doing this tour why he's touring the deep south when he knows what he can expect and it's because he wants to set an example and try and normalize a black man playing at these big fancy venues in front of white people and that's great and in doing that i think yeah that's really good but i think the movie fails in normalizing including black people in those conversations because that moment in the final hotel in Birmingham, when Shirley's refused entry into the restaurant, and the maitre d' takes Tony away again, and has this discussion with him about, oh, you have to make him do this. And it just really frustrated me, because it's like, why why isn't Shirley in this conversation? Or why isn't Shirley forcing himself into this conversation? Or why isn't the movie doing more to just get him into this conversation? Because obviously that's a shit way to treat someone. But as you said, that's how it was, though. Dr. Shirley is the boss. He's the the guy with the money, the guy with the power. Tony's just a driver, right? Yeah. Uh, and still they took Tony to talk to him and tried to make him convince Shirley that he had to play and to go have dinner somewhere else and then come back. That's how it was. And that's why I, I like this movie, because even though you have a person that is black but has power and money and respect from people for what he does, he's still treated like a person that doesn't know how to speak because they don't have access to books and to learning how to read. And that's how it was. It used to be like that. Black people didn't have access to certain things. And white people used that lack of knowledge against them when they were the first ones that didn't give them the access to knowledge and to education and to being able to do good for themselves right like they had to be thankful because this person gave them a job even though they don't know how to read or write or speak or they spoke differently or they had a certain intonation or whatever they pronounce things differently diction diction thank you (laughs) that's a word that that is brought up in this movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) so even though there are people like that in this movie the help Um, he's still treated, it doesn't matter how much he knows and how much he studies, he's a real doctor of two things. I think it was physics and music or something like that. can't remember. He's a doctor of two things. He speaks better than the white man next to him. He knows a lot. He reads. He's cultured. He's all these things, right? He's achieved so many things. He was the first black person to go to the Stalingrad or whatever school of music. He's broken all these things for himself, and yet he's still treated like shit because he's black. And I think that's also important, and that's also a part of why I liked it, that it doesn't matter now, but it didn't matter then that you broke from your social class and you achieved more because you were, at the end of the day, a black man. And that's why they take Tony when Tony doesn't, like, there's no way Tony is going to convince him of anything <laughs> because Tony doesn't have any power over him and he ends up supporting him in his decision to not play and to get the fuck out of there with the rest of the band which I think is what an ally should do <laughs> you shouldn't tell a black person what to do obviously it's a hard scene but I don't think Dr. Shirley like the way that they made this movie Again, we can talk about the movie that we would have wanted them to make and it would have been so much different. But the movie that they made, I think, just shows the real problems of 
black people in the South, and sadly they didn't have any autonomy or decision-making power. So it makes sense that they rely on Tony, quote-unquote, to make those decisions for him or to have the conversation when he doesn't have the power to make those decisions. He's just a chauffeur. So yes, it's annoying that he was the one that was taken aside and that Dr. Shirley wasn't in that conversation, but he wouldn't have been in real life in that conversation anyway. I agree and I disagree to an extent because I know that that's probably how it would have been. But at the same time, black people fought for their civil rights. They did. They, they forced their way. Yeah, no, I know. I know. They, <laughs> they forced their way into those conversations and into those situations and they fought for their rights. You know, Rosa Parks sat on the bus. She didn't have a white man or a white woman sit on the bus for her or with her. Martin Luther King didn't have a white man with him or interpreting for him. They had to fight for them. And I think they could have shown that in this movie. And again, I don't know where you draw the line between accuracy and telling a story. And obviously that the movie ends like they don't have dinner, which is a sign because they give up the tour money because they don't complete the tour, which I actually don't think they mentioned really. They didn't really clarify that a lot, but whatever. The end that that scene ends with Shirley interrupting their conversation, and I think he says, "Tony, it's all right. I'll play if you want me to." I can't remember it exactly, but my my recollection of the scene is that Shirley makes it Tony's decision. I don't remember that. And Tony decides that they go. I, I, I just think that should have been Shirley's decision. Yeah. I don't remember, but if it was Tony's decision, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just feel they could have, like, if you're, te- you can use this story to tell, I suppose, the story of the, the black civil rights movement and have Shirley make those stands rather than relying on a white man to make them for him. Yeah. And, like, he does make a stand with the bathroom, like, he goes back to the motel. But even that in itself is a kind of defeat because he is going back to the motel. He's not going to barge his way into that bathroom. Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated movie. And it's a complicated movie as well to discuss yeah. when you're two white people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as I said, it is, I think it's it's a fine movie. Like I would probably give this, I'd probably give it two and a half. Okay. I don't think it's terrible. And if I didn't hate it as I was watching it. But yeah, I think it's more about a white man overcoming racism, his own racism as well, rather than a black man dealing with racism. And we will, we need to talk about Tony at some stage because he is a racist piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean. All his family, except for his wife. Like that first scene with the two black uh, workers in their house. Okay, so for for people who haven't watched the, the movie. There's a scene in the at the beginning of the movie where Tony wakes up and his family is there and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here, guys? And they're like, oh, we're just looking over your wife or something like that. It's not, I'm not quoting it word per word, but it's basically, we didn't want to leave her alone. We're just making sure everything's okay. And the camera pans out to the kitchen where the wife is there with two black men who are allegedly fixing something and she's been seen offering them a glass of lemonade or water and they're drinking it and they leave the glasses there and she takes them puts them in the sink and then the next scene when they're gone and tony walks into the kitchen he sees the glasses on the sink and he picks them up disgustingly like (laughs) Like when you when you clean the hair from the from the shower drain, like <laughs> yeah, and she puts the glasses into the bin, and that's the first impression we have of him, basically, because so what we've seen before is that he's a, a bouncer or some some kind of bouncer at a club, and then we see that, and then the wife comes back, she goes to to throw something in the bin, and she sees the glasses and she picks them up, and puts them in the in the sink. So what, that's why I said his whole family is racist, except for the wife. I think the wife is not. 
at the end of this movie, I was like, why is she with him? Yeah. First of all, <laughs> she's Velma. Yeah, Linda Linda Carlini. Let's give a shout out to Linda Carlini because she's, she's a great actress. What is she doing there? She should be doing better. Yeah. And she should be with someone better in this movie. Yeah. But I also like, I mean, I think, again, she's a woman. And it's the 60s. It's not like she has <laughs> the ability. She doesn't have the ability to do whatever she wants. Well, yeah, but she's she's Linda Cardellini. Like, she's gorgeous. She could definitely I know, have gotten better than Tony. But, again, it's that's the reality of the 60s. So that's why I said, like, if I was there, like, with my mentality that black people are people and they deserve the same rights as me, but I was a, a woman in the 60s and my husband was a racist piece of shit, I don't know how much power I would have to leave that situation. I probably would murder him slowly <laughs> yeah and i also I, I also just want to clarify as well okay he's not a piece of shit because he's racist i think he's a racist and he's a piece of shit yeah as well he's both and this is also like as i said he's never challenged on his racism he's never challenged on any of his shitty behavior okay he steals a rock he pretends to put it back and doesn't and then he holds on to it and that's played as a laugh at the end of the movie He's like, oh, Tony Lip, I'm a bullshit. I'm the best bullshitter artist. And I was like, you're a liar. I'm not a liar. You're a fucking liar, Tony. We saw you at the beginning of the movie lie about the fucking hat. You're a liar, okay? Yeah. And he's just not challenged on any of his bullshit. And it's incredibly frustrating that this is our main character. And basically, his moment of redemption is, well, driving, driving Dr. Shirley away from the hotel at the end and then telling his cousin or his uncle or whoever the fuck it is don't call dr shirley i can't remember what name he is but don't call him it's that. probably a slur and that apparently cures the whole family of racism and they welcome dr shirley in for christmas dinner and it's beautiful well it's what you like <laughs> right a christmas movie <laughs> yeah yeah i can't believe this was a christmas movie i was not expecting this to be a christmas movie when they said oh you better be home for christmas i was like oh my god they're doing a christmas movie. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and it's it's frustrating though as well, because I'm not going to lie, there were moments where he did like Tony. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. I think possibly because he's Viva Mortensen. Yeah. I think I think they made a great decision with the, act, uh, the actor. I think Viva did a lot of heavy lifting uh, in this movie to make his character somewhat likable. Yeah. I was going to say that seeing him... Because I, for what what I know of Viggo Mortensen, he's a a good guy. Yeah. Outside of acting, like I, the the per the perception that we have is like he's he's okay. He's he's good. He adopted the horses from Lord of the Rings. He's a good guy. So I think having him play such an unlikable character also did like okay. So he probably realizes that he's playing a piece of shit, and we are allowed to hate the character because if a person that we thought of racist outside of cinema so like outside of a screen an actor we thought was racist was playing a racist character i think it would be different because like oh oh you're you're acting what you think you're acting as yourself this is an extension of who you are but i don't think vigo is like that so i think it's yeah, he's a piece of shit. You can hate him. It's it's okay. And maybe I'm mistaken and it's just biased because I like him as an actor. But it makes me feel less bad for hating the main character. Which I don't hate. I Like, I don't feel bad because he's a piece of shit. But, yeah. I just, I, I, well, I want to I wanna, I wanna note down and have it on record. The, one of the biggest moments of him being a piece of shit is when... After being in Dr. Shirley's house and seeing how opulently... Or is it opulently? Is that the word? How well he lives. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally talk about how he's on a throne. He himself is broke. And yet, and yet, when they stop so he can take a piss, he comes back to the car and takes his wallet because he's still afraid that this black man will rob him. And it's like, you are such a piece of shit. Yep. I just yep. wanted to get that off my chest because <laughs> if I, if well. we had finished this recording and I hadn't mentioned that moment, I'd be really annoyed with you myself. Would, you would record it and add it in the middle of the recording. Also, and this is this is going to sound mean, 
Okay. He's also like a bit of an idiot. Tony, yeah. And there were moments where I was like, this is this is kind of veering into Forrest Gump territory with how oh. stupid they're playing him. Did you did you get that? Maybe that's just me. Um no. There were moments where I thought they kind of veered a bit too far into the working class uneducated. I mean he's a dumb he's he's dumb and he's uneducated and that's part of the movie, but I didn't get that. But like he is uneducated, but he is also quite clever and he is manipulative. We see that at the start of the movie with the hat. With he's street smart. He's not book smart. Can you explain to me? I don't get the hat thing. So we open with this scene at the club where he's working and he takes this this mobster arrives and he's like Here's my hat. Protect my hat. This is a really expensive hat. I don't think it was expensive. It was uh his mother's... A lucky hat. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Wasn't even that nice of a hat. So. Anyway, and then Tony goes to the coke girl and pays her money to give him the hat. And he... The whole thing kicks off. Mom's just really upset they've lost his hat. Does he get the club closed because they lost his hat? Because we cut to then the club is closed and they're all out of work. I I was like, did he did he get the club closed? I wasn't sure. That's a good question. <laughs> um, because then then Tony goes to the mobster and he's like, I found your hat, and he it's really clever. He's like, now I'm going to be in this mobster's good books, and this is really clever. Except for the fact that it never comes up again, and I don't think we ever see that mobster again. Yeah. So it's it's a good way of showing Tony's. A manipulative side and how he knows how to work. He, he's a bullshit artist. He knows how to work his way around, get things done, and maybe get a job here or there. But it doesn't even get him the job with Doctor Shirley, and I don't think I don't think we do see that monster again. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it had to be related to that. I think it's just so we see what he's like. Okay. And I'm I'm not sure if he intended for the club to close down. Because the club already had the signs that they were going to close down for... for Did they? Yeah. At the start? Before the mobster arrived? No, but like, the same day they're putting them up. So I assume that they had them. Maybe. And it's because there's construction work going to be done November and December. So I don't know if he knew that. Like, it would have been good if it was said that he knew that the club was going to close down anyway until January. So he can risk the trick of getting the the hat and then returning it. But I think overall, it's just so we know that he's a bullshit artist and he's willing to to do that. Okay. Also, I want to say, as a Spanish person... Mm. As a Spanish person, the Christmas dinner... Gave me flashbacks to my Christmas dinners with my family. Because those were so chaotic and I hate them. <laughs> and for everybody listening, I hate Christmas. <laughs> I don't like yeah. Christmas. And therefore, it was a very hard scene to watch. Because I could see, I could see it. At the end of the day, they're Italian... I'm Spanish, we celebrate the same things the same way, we're the same like Italians and Spanish people are the same and it, it, it was like I don't know what you're because usually we have like the typical English family dinner with like gravy and like everybody sat on the table and acting nice and that's the, the usual representation of a Christmas dinner and this is this has nothing to do with the movie, okay, this is just because I'm Spanish <laughs> <laughs> but so I don't know what your perspective was of this kind of Christmas dinner where everybody's standing up and grabbing the the last bit of fish on the table. Like I don't know if you thought that it was weird or not. But for me it was like that I've been there. I didn't think it was reflective of my experiences of Christmas dinner. I don't think I've had that many we would have like my grandparents and stuff, but we wouldn't have big Christmas dinners. Like it would be our immediate family, my sisters and my parents, and then maybe my grandparents. So it wouldn't be yeah. It'd be like six of us max. Whereas this, there was like twelve people, yeah. all like reaching for things, 
So basically, in, in here, you would have the grandparents and then everybody that came under the grandparents. Okay. Wow. So in my case, it's my grandparents and then they had four children. So my mom and other three siblings, they all were, were there and then everybody's children. So my generation. And if I had had children, they would have been there too. So that's why I hate Christmas because I don't like my family. I don't like them. <laughs> so why do I have to spend okay. time with them? <laughs> Like if it was the, the Christmases that I've had with just my mother or just my mom and my aunt, those were okay. It's just that why are, why, are, why are we sitting in the table when we don't like each other? We don't. Is, um, I, the thing that stuck out for me about the Christmas dinner, and I know we're <laughs> a bit off topic, <laughs> but uh, fish. We don't, we don't have fish for Christmas oh, dinner. Yes, Is that we, a do. Thing? Like... we usually have both. We have a fish option. And we have a meat option. And usually the meat, in Spain at least, I don't know, uh, in Italy, but in Spain it's usually lamb. Oh, nice. And then the fish depends on what you want to have. Where? Um, yeah, where you are and what you like and everything. Uh, but usually the, the food, the meat for Christmas is lamb. And I don't like lamb. Like, it's, I feel like lamb is too stiff. It depends on how it's cooked. Yeah, I usually eat fish for Christmas or any other things because they're at the end of the day, they there's so much food, you won't go hungry. Yeah, but you don't like vegetables. Now we're very much off topic, but I'm curious now. <laughs> I don't like vegetables, no. I mean, this episode is, these two episodes are to for them to know us, so... <laughs> <laughs> So do you just eat? Do you just eat the meat? Maybe some potatoes. You like potatoes. I love potatoes. So meat and potatoes. Yeah. You just literally have fish and the potatoes. You don't yeah. Really the There's been years that I've made food for myself because I didn't like anything that they made. But usually there's like fried food, like croquetas, and you can eat that with the fish. They would force me, bully me into eating salad, <laughs> which I didn't like. You poor thing. Yeah. Don't force anybody to eat anything un unless they're your children. Force your children to eat everything so they like it and they don't have to be forced later on. But if you're an adult and you already know that you don't like it, don't force anybody. Unless it fulfills some sort of racist stereotype. Ex uh, yeah, and you're be being <laughs> filmed. Yeah. Do <laughs> it <laughs> for the TikTok. Well, I'm, I'm just going to comment on the homophobia for a little bit go for it because in the ymca incident it's just interesting right because there's a, it's a homophobic crime basically because i think it was illegal to be gay in the 60s but so it's a homophobic thing but also a racist thing because only dr shirley is the one that is being held with handcuffs the white man isn't being held by handcuffs so even then, it's like, oh, they're both equally bad because they're gay, but one of them is slightly worse than the other because he's black. So and that's a scene that Tony bribes the cops, detaining them, because otherwise they would have had to probably go to trial or something. There should have been an investigation and they wouldn't have made it to their next location or concert or whatever. So he bribes them, and then we see a conversation between Tony and Shirley, where Shirley is, in my opinion, right in asking why he's rewarding cops that were racist and homophobic to him with money when they were in the wrong. And Tony's like, you hired me to protect you and to get you from one place to the other, and you shouldn't ask how I do that. Two things can be right at the same time. He did hire him to get him from one point to the other, and he shouldn't care what he does to achieve that. But at the same time, those cops arrested people and got money out of it. <laughs> and that's not good. First of all, because I don't like cops. <laughs> and second of all, because they are in the wrong. They did have the law on their side at that time, sadly. It's a sticky situation, uh, especially looking at it from our perspective of 2023, 
with the animosity that there we have for cops and being black and gay not being illegal and it's a hard look to put into that situation because what would you have done right if if not to bribe them to get out of that situation the other alternative was for the inspector or whoever to get in there and open an investigation and them not being able to leave for the next concert so do i understand the motives yes do i wish that it was different also yes so two things can be right but i i do like that there's no so Tony is a racist piece of shit and a piece of shit separately. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he's yep. not homophobic. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's no comments made. I think Dr. Shirley was like, are you going to say something? And the only comment that Tony does or gives is, I've been a bouncer for so long. Basically saying, this is not my first time that I've seen two men getting it on. That's how I understood. Which actually, it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Especially with, uh, because the club at the beginning of the movie that he's working at is like a gentleman's club. There's people with money. Like, it's not like a disco or something. It's like you sit down and you have your whiskey. And so usually people that went there had money and influence. So they didn't want that to go out. Like, if you were gay, they didn't want that to go out. So you would go to those places to hide and be with your lover. But I, I, I did find it interesting that he's not homophobic. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just don't go anywhere without me. Yeah. Listen, he's a piece of shit and a racist piece of shit, but, like, he's not homophobic. We take the wins where we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um... No, and there's obviously that moment, just another moment of Tony not being a piece of shit is when he meets his New York friends outside that hotel and they offer him a better job with better pay and Dr. Shirley thinks he's going to take it and they meet outside his hotel room and he's like, I'm not, I'm going down to tell them no. And I thought that was a really nice moment between the two of them. They were so close to breaking down those toxic masculinity yeah. walls of expressing emotions <laughs> so close guys so close. so close there's a crack there's a crack <laughs> um yeah no not he's not the biggest piece of shit he is a piece of shit do you think that by the end of the movie he's racist because i don't think so i don't think he's healed and he doesn't have any racist thoughts or any racist behaviors but i don't think by the end of the movie that he's simply because a person is black he's going to throw away the cup the water cup that they've they've drunk from yeah i think i think it's important at this point to point out that racism and race it that it there's a spectrum of racism yeah and obviously there are people at the very high end of the spectrum like the maitre d' in this movie who refuses to let Shirley use the restaurant or the other guy who refuses to let him use the bathroom. And then I think there are, there's Tony, who, as, as you said earlier, he may not know he's a racist. He has these stereotypes in his head or these unconscious biases in his head that I think we all have yeah. to some degree. Sadly. Um, for instance, even me, when I said I didn't know this much about this movie, I knew it was a musician. And because I knew the character was black, my mind jumped to jazz. That's an unconscious bias and racism right there. Yeah. So I think at the end of the movie, Tony's definitely not as racist as he was at the start of the movie. But it takes work. You can't yeah. just wipe everything clear. So I think he definitely finished the movie in a better place than at the start. I still think he's a piece of shit. I agree 100% that he's less racist. It's not that he's not racist. He's less racist. Yeah. Um, but it takes realizing that you have racist behaviors or thoughts or ideas or preconceived notions to correct your family in front of everybody. Oh, for sure. Because that could have gone bad. They could have tried to defend their position and then he would have had to stand his ground and that is hard. It is difficult, especially with a family as close-knit as they are. 
which is also like a very Italian thing, I think, that they're so tight. But I think it takes a lot of bravery to stand up. Am I quoting Dumbledore? <laughs> I was literally just thinking that. <laughs> Am I quoting Dumbledore? It takes a lot of courage to stand up to your friends. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the truth. And he didn't do that before, right? And I think that if, if anything, this movie, right, it's a, it's a story about a white man told by white men. But I think you can slowly see the change in his perception, at least of Shirley, maybe not the, the whole black race, which is dumb because it's not a race, <laughs> but not all black people, but just of Shirley. And you can see him change his perspective. At the beginning, he was there for the money and he only cared to get the paid. But at the end of it, it's like, I don't care about the money. I care about doing right by you, at least personally you who are a person that i know and affects me and i don't think that tony from the beginning of the movie would have been like let's go he would have been like okay you you go eat there and i'll meet you here and listen small steps if this was a real person and not like a movie it would have mean more obviously because in a movie they can be better and do better things and it's fake and it doesn't it doesn't exist but I think it's um, a good way of showing that change happens. And I think this movie is about change. It's not so much about, oh, racism is bad, because we know that. If you're watching this movie, you think that racism is bad. This is not, <laughs> this is not a movie for racists, okay? <laughs> it's not. But it's like, even small steps can be good. Like, it's, a small step is better than no step. And especially, as you said, black people fought for their own rights and they got their own rights. But even now, racism exists, right? Uh, which, fun fact, my university professor of American history says that there's no racism anymore. Oh, wow. And this was eight years ago. <laughs> I would have loved to be in her class during the Black Lives Matters protest three years ago but anyway racism still exists right so i think this movie was not like oh there's no racism or oh racism is bad i think it's more like change is easy just they're 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 people it's not like oh they're these i don't know for me it's never been like that thankfully obviously as you said it's a spectrum and we all have biases and notions that we learn from the media or the society where we live and we have to challenge those and i think that's what this movie does it makes him challenge those beliefs that maybe they're not all bad maybe i'm wrong and yeah i i like this movie i like this movie and maybe i i like it from a white person's perspective because that's what i am i'm a white person and i think this movie in particular and these kinds of movies are geared to me like they're not made for black people they're made for white people so maybe i do like it and i have to do like a job of being conscious about who the directors are because i don't know any directors i i watch a movie and if i like it i like it and if i don't like it it's probably G greta <laughs> um but yeah maybe i have to do a more conscious effort of knowing who the the person behind the work is and how that may change the way i see the movie listen you're perfectly entitled to like this movie thank you i don't i don't have a problem with people liking this movie <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and like no i i just want you know i don't want i think this is the first time we've disagreed yeah. on a podcast ever before and so i think it's important that we're allowed to disagree because i know that you're not gonna like some of my movies <laughs> yeah, um, yeah i know <laughs> but yeah and certainly i wouldn't have considered who tells these stories before and I'm going to do a shout out to another podcast that I started listening to that brought my attention to these issues. It's called Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. And it's a really good podcast done by three black actors slash comedians talking about 
movies focused on main characters or people of color. And it's a really interesting podcast and they talk about all these things and they obviously have this perspective that I wouldn't have had or considered before. But yeah, and absolutely, I have no problem with people liking this movie. I think, as I said, it is a fine movie. It's a good movie, objectively. I think it is well made and I don't think it's a bad movie. I guess I just would have preferred a different movie about the same thing. Fair enough. So yeah, and look, I think I want to take a moment as well because I think... As we mentioned, Mahershala Ali won an Oscar for this movie, and I think it was well-deserved. I think he was fantastic in this movie because he doesn't have a lot to do as the supporting lead. And there's a lot of... he, As we mentioned, he's an uptight character. He's not a very talkative character. And so he has to do a lot of work with silences and with looks. And I think he does that really well. And that moment that we mentioned where he's playing the piano after being forced to go back to the motel to use the bathroom... I think it's amazing. And that's literally just him sitting at a piano, moving his arms. Yeah, he doesn't play the piano. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, I don't know, did he learn piano? Because there are... I looked it up yesterday. He d- he doesn't. But, I mean, it's well done, however they filmed it. Because there are plenty of scenes where it looks like it is him in profile playing the piano. So that's well done. But yeah, I think he did deserve the Oscar for it. But I wish he had been the lead and it had been a movie about him from his perspective. Hey ho, we got what we got, and he is very good at it. And that moment, there's that scene as well where the car breaks down in front of the fields of black workers. Oh yes. And again, there's no dialogue in that scene, but yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good scene. There's a lot going on there. So yeah, it has its moments, and I like the music. The music is good. It's not jazz. There's there's some jazz. He's not playing it, but there is some there's jazz. There's one jazz scene. Yeah, but I think they they kind of listen to a bit of kind of jazz and rock and roll on the radio. Yeah, they they listen to the to the radio. There's no live jazz. It's not a movie about jazz. No. Which I knew. I remember that. <laughs> because you said it, and I was like, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think there are good things about the movie. Yeah. There are good things, not bad things, but things that could be different or better. Yeah. And can I also say as well, Yes. that New York Italian accent really bothered me. It really grates oh. on me. So that may have affected my viewing of it as well. Okay. I mean, I loved that he spoke Italian. And sometimes, so when something annoyed him, he would say, Baffanculo, which is it's like an, an Italian way of saying, oh, for fuck's sake. But it's it's way worse. It's way worse. But he like it came out naturally, right? And that's the important thing with a bilingual because it switches. Some things are better in your own language and some things are better in the second language. And I like that. But I didn't know that you didn't like the Italian-American Bronx accent. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm walking here. <laughs> oh, that moment where he said, what is it? I'm working here? I'm working and here. I was like, no. Oh, it re- yeah, I really don't like that accent. Do you have anything else to say? Again, I just I just want to reiterate that Tony's wife could do so much better. At the end of the movie, when Dr. Shirley arrived for Christmas, I momentarily forgot that his character was gay. It was like, these two should be together. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's <laughs> like, not gay. Like, he wrote gay. those lovely letters. Maybe he's bi. Yeah, she could be his beard. He could be, they could be together. Anyway, I think that's all the commentary that we have for this movie. If you have any questions or comments or anything, ideas, or a different perspective on this movie, on why you like it or you don't like it, or what you think it's one of the best movies ever made or one of the worst, please email us at podmeupscotty at gmail.com or you can tweet us or message us at podmeupscotty on X. Are we calling it X? Twitter. Twitter. (laughs) Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So now that that is said, it's my co-host okay with us deciding what, well, not us, the machine deciding what movie we're we're watching next. Yes, I am. I've taken out Green Book. So are you happy to proceed on that basis of seven movies? Yeah. Okay, you ready? Okay.
I don't see Dead Poet Society. Oh, oh my god. This is another one of yours. I know. Andrea. Um Okay, so we're uh watching Dead Poet Society. Tune in in two weeks' time for that. And again, let us know if you if you want to add anything to this podcast or any podcast we've done episodes, not podcast, episodes. Put podcast episodes. And we'll see you with Dead Poet Society, which is another movie that I picked <laughs> in two weeks' time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs> Scotty, come in. Ready to beam up. Beam us up home. <laughs> <laughs>